0: Hey, Federico. Hello. No Shahid today. Um, no. It's just the two of us today. Um, mm-hmm. We're, of course, sending love to our co-hosts as always, just because we love him so love. dearly. Uh, I want to go through some news with you. and then Yes. I know. This then, first then, one then, is for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's all, you know there's a bit of a mixture and then uh, and then we're just i'm gonna i just want to hear you talk about Metroid uh so there's a few there's a few things coming out on the horizon at the moment which i'm pretty excited about uh one is the grand theft auto trilogy so you know I'm, i'm sure our listeners have probably heard about this by now but uh rockstar have kind of remastered the first three modern grand theft auto games yep. so as gta 3 vice city and san andreas which also you know they are they are effectively a trilogy if people don't know it's kind of like they're all built on the same kind of engine mm-hmm. um grand theft auto 3 created this new like open world system which they then it adapted did. for the next two games and then gta 4 is gta 4 for that reason like even though it was like the 6 or 7 Game, it was like here's the new one, right? Yeah. Um, and so we their their remark. uh, It was intriguing because they kind of this was rumored for a while, and then they announced it, and they were like, "We're going to show you some stuff later on." And then in the last week or so, they've shown some more details, and I actually think they've done a pretty great job with this. You know, like Mm -hmm. one of the things they were really focusing on is the visuals and i really like that they have refreshed the visuals without massively changing them uh, but also not leaving them exactly the same i I like that there is a a bit of a mixture they've kind of they kind of amped up a cartoony vibe to it which i actually think works really well for the graphical style of these games
1: yeah, and especially with GTA 3, which is the the, the oldest one of the bunch, mm-hmm. um, which came out on PS2 uh, toward the beginning of the PS2 era, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a really outdated game, visually speaking. And uh, while they could have kept the original game, I mean, that's mostly like the Nintendo playbook, really. They could have kept the original graphics. But what they've done instead, they have taken those blocky characters and they have applied... This sort of cartoonish effect, and and you can see that especially in comparison screenshots on the faces of the characters. So you can really see what they've done here, keeping those blocky sort of traits of of the characters, but making them more modern with modern yep. lighting effects, textures, and of course, four k resolution and on uh, I believe on the p s five and Xbox series x and S,, uh, you can actually play at four k sixty so yeah. 60 frames per second which is you know pretty nice visual effect i think um and and alongside the visual updates there's also the uh, some gameplay sort of quality of life improvements i believe i saw somewhere um that they are using the same control system of GTA 5
0: yep so driving controls and aiming controls
1: yeah from, um, from the most recent uh, yeah. and and you know uh, the GTA 5 is never going to die as a game, apparently it's launching on next generation consoles soon. well, but to the set
0: these ones aren't either, yeah, right like this is right. so funny to me, like when, when I was talking about it, and now you've mentioned that, like no company. I think even more than Nintendo is able to do this. The way Rockstar is, how many times have they sold these games?
1: Like over and over. The only other example I can think of is Skyrim, that has Skyrim's o- a good example too.
0: Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of like the three. It's like Skyrim. Grand Theft Auto, and then just all of Nintendo and I suppose. anything
1: Nintendo. Yeah, basically. like we're gonna talk about that in a few minutes. But you know, we are now seeing Ocarina of Time become available on yet another platform, which is funny. But Nintendo takes a different approach. In the case, I think GTA and Skyrim are more similar in that mm-hmm. both you know GTA and I mean these three games specifically, but also GTA 5 and Skyrim have been constantly updated over the years for different platforms. And now you can play another version of GTA 3, Vice City, and San Andreas uh, on the latest consoles, including a Nintendo Switch. Which is, uh, this is uh, interesting because the last time we saw a GTA game on a Nintendo platform was one of those top-down GTA games like Chinatown Wars, maybe? They, They made specific games. On the DS um, for, for for
0: some of the Nintendo platforms, yeah.
1: That was a while back. Um, I don't know which platform
0: I'm going to get it on yet. Um, hmm. Like I've got like a couple of choices. Really, it's like you think Switch, right? Is good because then it's everywhere. But as I've said so before, I don't really play uh, Switch handheld. Um, and then it's kind of like, do I go for PlayStation at home, or do I finally hmm. set up my Xbox at the studio? and have Mm. this as a game to play at the studio. I'm definitely going to start with Vice City, though. I know that's, you know, it's the middle one. It's, as we said before, long-time listeners of this show knows, this is what, Vice City, GTA Vice City is one of my favorite video games of all time. And... I'm I'm really excited to play it, especially with this new style. I love some of the screenshots. Like, I think the cartoony vibe works even better for Vice City because they've also like really upped the saturation. It looks like yes. with, with that game. So I'm I'm actually genuinely really excited about this, uh, much more than I am to play GTA V again. Yeah, uh, and yeah. just again, this is really underscoring the whole thing of hey, there are no video games. right there are 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 no no new video games yes Um. there are no new video games all the video games are old video games I know there's like a couple here and there we both played a little bit of Deathloop I don't think it's grabbed either of us particularly Mm -mm. Um, so you know, there are games there's just not a lot of them Uh, so
1: we're going to fill our time with more remasters yeah I was thinking about this in the context of like I asked myself a question Uh, Is the video game industry the only one that does this? Like using old art over and over and i don't think the answer is, is yes but i think it's definitely different from say the movie industry or the music industry in the movie industry you have remakes right and you have reboots and that yep. kind of stuff which you also have in the video game industry and that's yes you know,
0: but that's they, they are analogous of each other it's like the same as somebody doing like a cover or something like that or like re- yeah. like or taylor Swift re recording all of her music right right like, and yeah. i feel
1: like the music industry is probably a, a bit closer to video games because the idea of like taking an old album and uh, having a new mix for example we talked on connected or other show about the spatial audio mix of let it be by mm-hmm. the beatles that's a 50 year old al- album that has now been mixed again and you can listen to a new version on streaming services um It feels to me like the music industry is a bit closer to the video game one in this regard of you don't have new material, you take the old stuff and you put a new spin on it and you sell it again to people. Um, We are seeing that now in the video game industry because of... It's all related, really, uh, because of the pandemic, right? There have been so many delays for new games. Every new game now when it gets announced... You gotta I mean, be mindful of the fact that it's gonna get delayed at very, at the very least once, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if not more times. And I mean, even Nintendo. Nintendo doesn't usually delay games. They've been pretty good in hitting, you know, with the exception of maybe The Legend of Zelda, that that always happens with Zelda, and Metroid Prime Four, which is a a like a separate thing that actually development of that game had to be started from scratch but nintendo usually hits their deadlines pretty consistently Mm -hmm. but even nintendo had to delay um the Advance wars by the way (laughs) remake it's a remaster of the gba game even that title had to be delayed on the switch from october to spring 2022 so it's a delay extravaganza everywhere really these days i do think though that like
0: comparing types of media together the video game industry does it the most right like oh yeah trying to sell you something that's already existed that's like a thing that happens more
1: that is also i think this is a a fascinating conversation because we we touched upon this on the show before it's also dependent on the unique uh, medium that is the you know playing a video game they sell you games over and over because you cannot purchase old games so easily or old consoles, like the yeah. physical consoles. Like, you want to play GTA 3, the original now? Good luck with that. You got to find a
0: PS2. You actually can't. Like, you can't get it digitally anymore. It's been taken down from all the stores because of the remake.
1: Exactly. And if you yeah. want to go, no. I'm Like, I have, I have been through this recently myself when I wanted to play Metroid Zero Mission which is a GBA title. You got to find a GBA that works. Maybe you got to put in a new battery and then you got to find the game and the game is on a cartridge and you got to maybe go to GameStop and find a used copy or go on eBay or something. So it's the, I feel like it's the video game industry itself that is set up in a way that it can sell you these games over and over uh, because they become unplayable in the original versions. Um, And then you have companies like Nintendo doing interesting stuff like uh super mario all-stars which is a, a an hd remaster of old games that was only available physically and digitally i believe for a limited time period do you remember this like that collection of games oh, that's been yeah. pulled.
0: yeah you
1: cannot buy it i don't know anymore. why they did
0: that <laughs> like maybe they just wanted a
1: scarcity thing i
0: don't know but it was weird it was really yeah. weird
1: Anyway, I'm probably gonna start on my on my Xbox. I think, I, because of the 4K 60. Now I gotta choose whether I wanna buy the, the the you know the the full package of the three games together, or start from Game Pass. But I believe only one of the three games will be on Game Pass, oh, and I don't remember which. I don't, remember which. I oh, don't okay. remember which because I just I really assumed it was to a start... trilogy package. I didn't think you mm, could get it single. I, I think they're splitting it up on on subscription services, and that on makes Game sense. Pass, it's only one of them. And I wanted to start from San Andreas because that is the one that is really dear to my heart. On that, it's hmm. the game that I played on PS2. Uh, but I don't think it'll be the launch title on the Game Pass version, so I'll probably just buy the digital uh, bundle.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even know that. I didn't even think about that. That's cool.
1: Uh, Animal Crossing.
0: There's okay. a big update coming for Animal Crossing that uh, comes okay, out in so the beginning of
1: November. What's the deal with this with this new version?
0: So there's a couple of things. One is the final free uh, content update, and they're adding a bunch of like uh, events. They're adding some new um, kind of r- retailers and different uh, types of uh, items that you can buy from them, and they're also adding some quality of life features to the game. So that's going to be the final. Uh, free DLC that they're going to do for Animal Crossing. Then they also have a paid DLC. Uh, it's, co- it's got a specific name, which I'm just bringing up now. Uh, it is called Happy Home Paradise. Oh, okay. And it's effectively like Animal Crossing.
1: It's, uh, it's like Home a Designer. brand new
0: game. It's kind of like Happy Home Designer. You can see that they drew uh, a lot of... Um, Uh, inspiration from that game and then kind of expanded Mm. it a little bit more. And it is that you go to a second island, you get a new job, and you are now like a home design consultant. And you speak to different uh, characters, you understand what they like, and then you design a home for them, specifically for them. So it's much more focused, like this game mode of like, you are just designing homes and then creating a little new island for these people to live on. Um, and with that, if you get the the DLC, it gives you more items and more tools available to you for your own island in your own home. Mm. So it really does feel like... I mean, it's not a full, full game, but it does feel like Nintendo went away and made... Basically, version one point five of Animal Crossing. They are actually calling this version two, like like Animal Crossing, because they got version numbers right. The game's updates. This is version two of uh, New Horizons, but it feels like that they went away and basically made the game that will last for the next maybe year. I think. Mm. Uh, before they bring out an up, a new a new Animal Crossing. Like, I 100% expect 2022 brings a brand new Animal Crossing game. Like, really? Nintendo. I, yeah, I do. I think, mm. nin, or at least we will see the next Animal Crossing game 2022 to come out 2023. Um, I think they would be wild not to just continue on this path. Uh, mm. But maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe I'm being over-optimistic. But Animal Crossing has been an absolute smash hit for them in a way that... I don't think that they were expecting. But yeah, so this uh I, me and my wife were really into Animal Crossing, right? We played it for months and months in 2020. basically the a year. We I think we played for for pretty much an entire year of the game. Um and this is going to get us back into it. So we're going to we're going to get back into it and and see what nice. this new version's about and just have something new to play inside of that world. Uh it was really fun. This looks like a nice it's like a different type of game, and I don't know how we will feel about it, right? Because really, it's more designing or any, more than anything else. But it's something new to do within that world. So you can still go about and do the regular activities, but now there's something extra mm. that you can do to fill the other time that you want to play in the game. So this comes out on November 5th, and it's paid um, but kind of interestingly, if you get the new, um, I think it's like twenty bucks or something on its own. Yep. It's twenty five dollars. But if you if you sign up for the new like expanded Nintendo Online, it comes yep. with that.
1: Yeah, it's which part is of the strange. Nintendo Switch Online plus expansion pack deal. Yeah, don't really which understand
0: is, how these things go together, uh, but that. They're doing
1: that. They're basically bundling the Animal Crossing paid DLC with the subscription plan. Mm -hmm. So that, like, I guess the strategy is they want to get as many people as possible on board with the more expensive tier of Nintendo Switch Online. So they said, well, we're just going to bundle together three, like two seemingly unrelated things, which are the Nintendo 64 games, the Sega Mega Drive games... And this Animal Crossing update, <laughs> um, the DLC, uh, we're going to put it all together in the expansion pack for the existing subscription. Um, it's kind of weird. I see. I saw some people speculate, oh, they're doing this because uh, the more expensive Nintendo Switch Online is going to be home in the future for more game DLCs. In theory, it makes sense. I never trust Nintendo with theories that make sense, though. Like, No, I, I wouldn't. Yeah,
0: yeah. That doesn't so, seem like a good thing to just naturally assume of them. Exactly. It's, so you, it's you, impossible you, to do that.
1: But, but you're getting back into Animal Crossing. Mm-hmm. I'm getting back into Pokemon Sword again. Uh, not to play online competitively. I feel like I'm pretty much done with that. But I've been kind of missing the game. I haven't played the game at all since uh, fall 2020. So it's been like a year at this point and i've been kind of craving uh you know completing my pokédex at least from the two dlcs that they've done last year which i never really finished um so i i, I think i'm going to spend some time uh trying to complete it uh, before um the uh, pokemon diamond remake launches in uh, in 3 weeks
0: It's on the 19th you yeah. you're
1: planning on jumping in oh yeah in diamond for sure uh like i I watched another trailer of that game today. It looks sweet and the music is fantastic. And it's an old school Pokemon game, but with some updated sort of quality of life improvements. Mm. I think I'm
0: going to try it, but I'm not excited. I'm just, I just, I'm not excited about it. I I don't know why. I feel like it's taking a step back. I've said this on the show before, but that's kind of how I feel. Maybe I'll like it more. I I think that the art style really isn't calling
1: to me. Yeah, well, the art style is very old school. What I like is that they, ha- they are bringing some of the uh, mechanics that made the game more accessible in Sword and Shield. Mm. For example, even though it's an old game and this feature did not exist on the DS... This version will let you transfer Pokemon back and forth between your PC and your party without going to a Pokemon Center, for example. Right, right. And that was one of the new features in Sword, and they're bringing this to the Diamond and Pearl remakes. I think there's an experience share too, right? Yes, they have experience share, which was also a highly controversial uh, change in the community some people are very vocal about it and how they hate the feature. I love the feature. it of the feature. G- just makes the just game turn it more off accessible. if you don't like it. It's not That's you know... the thing, though. You can't. And that's why people are complaining oh, really? about it. Yes. That oh, is I thought
0: the... you could. Okay, well, then I understand the grumpiness of it if you can't turn it off. Yeah. Like, if people don't yeah. want it. I- I- I've forgotten that. It's not yeah. like Experience All or whatever, which is a thing that you could get in some of the other games where you could turn it on and off when you wanted to.
1: Yeah. I think it's on by default and that's why a lot of people are complaining about it. Uh, But the whole thing that got me back into thinking, oh, maybe I should consider at least attempting to finish my Pokedex in Sword and Shield, uh, actually in Sword, uh, before Diamond launches, um, I had our very good friend, John Voorhees, uh, drive to GameStop (laughs) in Chicago to grab me one of those special distribution cards that Nintendo has released in the U.S., it's GameStop. In the U.K., it's I believe what's it called? Game. It's probably the, Game. It's Game. Like you have Game in the in the U.K. It's yeah. GameStop Italy here, but only online. Anyway, I had John drive to GameStop for me to grab a code uh, for a shiny uh which is the. Le- why? What, why didn't you just do it in Italy? If, what did you want the card? I really wanted the card, and I believe right. it wasn't available in Italy yet. Uh, like, right. it's not going to happen until November. Um, so I, I'm going to transfer that Pokemon to my Pokemon home so that I, I have a whole box in my Pokemon home, which is the subscription service, just <laughs> for legendary Pokemon and special distribution-only Pokemon. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, have, I have a whole collection.
0: The black market Pokemon. yes are in here the stuff that was that's probably my... all excluded from championship play right
1: yes that was my that was my whole thing in 2020 if you remember collecting all of these yep. old distribution only cartridges oh on my eBay. god i
0: remember that like when you were getting you were like doing those wild chains
1: right yes yes that was a. Uh, I i mean lockdown you know the first lockdown i d- had to do something uh, so yeah that was fun but now I'm going to try and complete my pokédex in Sword in in Pokémon Sword I I think I can get it done and like I'm not going to play online multiplayer anymore right I haven't watched competitive games in a while mm-hmm. I'm probably going to watch them again next year uh because the uh, official Pokémon World events are coming back in person so that's gonna be nice to watch online uh you know have these professional players come together like in in i believe it's in frankfurt in europe and in not chicago well i don't remember in the u.s but it's gonna be nice to to see these professional like top players mm. uh compete again um but yeah i'm just gonna play single player you know uh, as uh, i i think i've realized about myself that i uh I I love Pokemon more as a collector rather than a, you know a competitive person. Uh but I needed to get the competitive play out of my system l- uh, last year. Like I needed to prove something to myself and I did. So but that was done. Now one more news item before we talk about mm-hmm. the Switch and Metroid. Uh you mentioned the the new tier of Nintendo Switch Online uh the expansion pack with Nintendo 64 games and Sega Mega Drive games. I believe it's called the Genesis in the US. The, the, like, we call it the Mega Drive. It's called the
0: Genesis in the US. I actually, until now, until you just said that, I had no idea they were different things.
1: I think that's... that. I've always been confused about this. Uh, it's called the Genesis in the US, I think. Wow, I did not yeah. know that. Um, that's available now, and it's more expensive, so you need to sign up separately if you want to play these games and it's a limited catalog of games, right? Uh, For the Nintendo 64, uh, you can play Mario Kart 64, uh, Zelda Ocarina of Time, uh, Super Mario 64, um, uh, one old Mario Party game, Sin and Punishment, and some other games that uh, I don't really remember. Now, uh, I sent you today some tweets showing the differences in emulation between uh, the original game on Nintendo 64, the old virtual console on the Nintendo Wii, and the emulated games on Nintendo Switch Online. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems like now I've been doing some digging on Twitter, and I've asked on my Discord as well, and it seems like the consensus is that the emulation quality on Nintendo Switch Online is worse than the Wii virtual console. Yep. I don't really know why this is the case, uh, but it seems that you got better um, control, uh, like integration with the controllers and better graphics even, like higher fidelity emulation in the old virtual console. Uh, I see that, you know, as usual with these things, a bunch of people are upset on Twitter. I still think the whole premise of Nintendo Switch Online is kind of weird, uh, that it's a subscription service, but it's kind of like the virtual console, except it's not, in that these games come and go from Nintendo Switch Online, and they are added. Um, I guess it's because it's a subscription, right? And they are added periodically with these rollouts that Nintendo does. Every X months, they add some new games to Nintendo Switch Online, and they're mm-hmm. doing the same for Nintendo sixty-four. Now we talked about this privately. Uh, I I don't. I'm not really nostalgic. About the Nintendo sixty four era, no. no, these games have not aged well. <laughs>
0: no, visually they speaking, have
1: not. it. They, I don't
0: think N sixty four graphics have the charm that SNES mm. and NES graphics had. No. I feel the same about PS one graphics. Mm. Uh, I think when realism was started to be attempted, uh, I think a lot of the, like the, I don't know, the, the charm is lost. Uh, And some of these games do still have it, but not all of them. And also as well, to be honest, a lot of the games that I did play on N64, I didn't have an N64, uh, but I had a friend who did. A lot of the games that I I did play, they're not here. You know, games like uh, some of the, like WWF No Mercy was one. Pokemon Stadium. Pokemon Stadium I didn't enjoy, but tried it. Uh, And um,
1: GoldenEye. Oh, you know? oh, I can't believe it's not here. Oh, it's well, a licensing issue, I bet. It's a it's, it's a licensing a thing. Yeah. That's
0: a game that has been released in a bunch of different forms, right? So mm-hmm. I think it's like there th- that game still kind of exists as a going concern for the developer of it. So yeah, I mean if if it's if it's your bag, like if if you are excited about it, great. It's just uh I'm not that excited about it. I would never yeah. play any of these games on my Switch.
1: Yeah, I I signed up because of course I did and I fired up Mario 64. It's fine. It's Mario 64 um and you can have save states like you can suspend the game at any point and you can create a a save state and you can load it up regardless of checkpoints and actual save slots. Um, mm-hmm. Which is one of the things that you could do with the virtual console that you can do now with Nintendo Switch Online. It makes older games more uh, playable and friendlier to these days. Mm-hmm. But I don't really want to play Mario 64 or you know an old Super Smash Brothers, for example. Like I, I, uh, I don't have any nostalgia for those games. Like I, and I say this as someone who just finished, you know, before Metroid on the Switch, I finished an old Metroid game for the GBA. And I wanted to play Super Metroid as well on the Super Nintendo. But these games, they don't really... They're not close to my heart the same way that a GBA or even a Nintendo DS game, maybe.
0: All right, this episode is brought to you by privacy. Com. privacy is a tool that makes it easy to manage your financial life online while keeping your most important information secure by generating virtual card numbers privacy will mask your information your bank your banking info so you never have to worry about giving it out to people you don't know online i have been in situations before where i have had my card information stolen where i've had an dh aggravation that you find in your life when this happens, you know, like every company that you have some kind of card on file with, you need to change it or you don't have to worry about any of this with privacy because you can generate all these virtual card numbers. You can generate them for single merchants if you want to. So if your card information does get stolen, it doesn't matter because it's just going to be that one card that gets in a a privacy breach. It's really easy to just change it out. And this is such an awesome thing. It really puts the power back in your hands so you don't have to worry about giving information to maybe places you've never uh, shopped at before. This is super important. Super awesome. You can take back Control of your payments. You decide who can charge a card, how much they can charge, and how often, and you can close these cards down at any time really, really quickly. Plus, you can make sure that you're never accidentally billed twice or upgraded to another service without your consent because you can put those caps in place. Privacy is also partnered with OnePassword, so you can create, use, and save your privacy cards directly within your OnePassword dashboard. All of the virtual cards created in OnePassword have the same security benefits as your other privacy cards. You can set spend limits, create single-use or merchant-lock cards whenever you want right from within 1Password. So go to privacy.com slash remaster and sign up for an account today. New customers automatically get $5 to spend on your first purchase. That's free money. Go to privacy.com slash remaster and sign up right now. Our thanks to Privacy for the support of this show and FM. You could use a privacy card to sign up for Nintendo uh, Switch online and get your N64 games. So the Nintendo Switch OLED is now a thing that exists. Yes, uh, you have yours, and uh, I do. Yesterday, I took delivery of one in my home. It's not for me. Um, I, I bought it for my wife Edina uh, as part birthday gift, and also part. Hey, you want to get back into Animal Crossing? Here's a new Switch <laughs> for you, because the way that we play together, uh, I play on the TV, and then she was played in handheld. And I kind of felt I always feel a little bit guilty about that. <laughs> it's right. like I'm gonna I'm gonna have the big screen. Uh. So I was like, you know what? We'll re- leave me have a little bit of guilt if you have a lovely new Nintendo Switch to play on. So okay. set that up last night.
1: Okay. How did that go?
0: Oh, it's always a pain in the ass.
1: <laughs>
0: it, it's just like everything about it is difficult, right? So you're like, oh, okay, let me do Nintendo's whole transfer system, right? So I do the whole transfer thing. You know, one of the games that's the saves does not transfer is Animal Crossing. So oh, I did the whole yeah. transfer, right? And downloaded Animal Crossing from the store again, downloaded Stardew Valley from the store again. The save data for Stardew Valley was there, the save data for Animal Crossing wasn't there. And then I had this panic moment where I thought that I had lost her save data. Because oh. on the old Switch, you had that creates like a blank user account. Like it moves your your user account moves to the new one, and then like a blank mm. one is on the old one and then when you go into Animal Crossing and try to do the transfer, like you can there's this like method of initiating a transfer in the game, so you start the game, but then I can't start the game on the old switch because it was a downloaded title, and it's like you cannot play these two games at the same time. Wow. And I was freaking out. But there's this whole process that you can do, which exists. Like Nintendo have detailed all of this. Uh, but you have to download a separate app from the store called the like, Animal Crossing Transfer Tool, which transfers your save data from one console to the other. Oh god! And it's just like, why? And and then they have this whole thing, which is like an online backup and restore tool that they have. But if you want to restore, you have to contact their customer support to do that for you, right? Which is, it's a thing that's good that they have because there are all these stories of people losing their switches and losing their islands. So it's good that they have that. But like, it's just this whole like rigmarole that they have created for you to be able to do it. And it's like, so these are the steps, right? Update the game download the transfer tool, transfer the user data of the console. It will now create like a blank user account. Then go and download the game on the new console, then download the transfer tool on the new console, open the transfer tool, follow the instructions, open the source console. This is the whole other thing. Like you have to choose source and target. They're the words that they use. It's just not clear really, right? Yeah. Like source and target, like... I understand what it means, but you have to think for a minute. They should have just called
1: it old console and new console. (laughs) How hard is that,
0: right? Like, that's perfect. So then you have to do, like, on the target console, select target. On the source, select source. Then you transfer to... It's like this whole thing, which was made worse by the fact that when I was trying to do this, after I downloaded the games, the store went down for an hour. Oh, no. Because they were updating for the Switch Online thing. Uh Yeah. So it's like just, and I didn't know this was gonna happen. So, like, and then I'm like, so it was late, so I had to do it this morning. But I did the whole transfer. It's done now. But I just think like it Should doesn't have easier. to be this hard. No. Right. No. I I don't think it is worth the customer aggravation and support issues just because some people might cheat in Animal Crossing and get additional items. Like that's oh, why that's they. Why? That's oh, that's why. why okay. This. That's why I did all this. Oh, and I wow. I just don't think it's worth it. Like, let me save my save data to the cloud. Like, just let me do that. Like, I don't know why you need to make it this hard, but they do.
1: All of this to prevent people from cheating. That's that's yeah. incredible. And so Nintendo. It. Yeah. We've done it. Okay. Um
0: I mean, it is gorgeous oh my god the screen it's beautiful so good yeah it's so good
1: i can tell you that i've been uh, i've played most of metroid dread in portable mode i i think i played like about six hours in tv mode and then I was bothering Sylvia at night too much with, you know, colors flashing on the television uh, that's in our bedroom. So I just started playing on the, on, on the Switch OLED. And that was actually even better because on, it's such a, a beautiful screen to look, to hold in front of your eyes, really. And there are some areas of Metroid Dread where they are completely pitch black, right? right. Uh, because you got to restore power to a generator, for example. And so the lights are off. And all you see is the glowing visor of Samos. It's beautiful. Like you get true black on screen and you can see these glowing lights that guide you through the stage. It's Mm -hmm. really, it's it's beautiful to look at. And even if you try other games, like I tried Pokemon Sword, for example, uh, and I tried um, Breath of the Wild, the way that the colors pop on screen. I mean, you know, we talked about this before when the iPhone went OLED. Yeah. It's even better on, on a Switch because games are so colorful, right? And so the they're vibrant, they are rich, and the blacks are incredible.
0: Speakers are also really great. Like I know a lot yes. of people mention it, but it's it definitely goes uh, like it's definitely an important thing to mention. Like they it's way louder and it just sounds better. And I like the overall kind of classy. We've got the white one, you like the white and black one. It's just very Same. classy, it's got a nice classy look yeah. to it. One thing I'm yeah. not sure about is um if you get the new switch, should you use the new dock? Is there any benefit to that?
1: Uh well, um it's got an Ethernet cable. But like,
0: <laughs> could you also use the old one if you wanted to?
1: I am pretty sure you can. It's still okay. a switch. Yeah. Yeah. The new yeah. dock unless Nintendo unlocks something in the in the dock in the future with a software update. Right now, right. it's just the same dock with a new design and an Ethernet jack. And uh, I'm using that cool. because I have a router behind my TV, but other than that, it's just white and new and more rounded, I guess. Right, um, right. I, what, uh, what I want to mention about the Switch OLED that I really like, I mean, besides, the screen is also bigger, right? So it goes more, it's not edge to edge, but it's got much smaller bezels than the old one which is something yep. that I appreciate. I love the kickstand, the new kickstand, to put the switch on a desk like I have it right next to me right now. It's very and the good. New ca- it's so much better than the old one that was flimsy and hard to open. Now you just, you know, it, it it's uh, the new kickstand runs the entire width of the console and it's so much better than before. It's sturdy and it's, you know, you can adjust the angle, it's so well done. It's it feels like a Microsoft kickstand. You know, it's it's a really nice kickstand. It's also
0: um like so like Adina was playing and it's it's nicer because you can kind of prop it on your legs easier now. Yes. Which is the thing that you yeah. couldn't do before. Like you, you had to sit in a strange way. Like it doesn't just work well on the desk, like it also just works well in your lap. Yeah. And stuff like that yeah. in, in a way that was exactly. better before. It's much
1: higher quality. And because of this, it feels that this Switch model is more true to the original promise of the Switch than the first Nintendo Switch. Like the idea Mm -hmm. of you can play this in portable mode and then you can prop it up on a kickstand or you can put it on your lap and you can detach the Joy-Cons. This Switch does all of that better than the first console that came out with that marketing message in 2017.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. This is a much better, uh, this is a much, much better um product i think yeah but if you play
1: in if you play in dock mode like you do it's not really worth the upgrade right i mean if you never play in portable mode you shouldn't get one because this update is for portable players yeah because
0: it doesn't add anything nothing else is added you know so like for me it's just like um, i'm really pleased this exists uh but it doesn't it's not it's not a thing that I need, which is why I, I mean, even though I've seen one, right? Like it could be so easy. Like after you've seen one, I'll be like, oh, I should get it, but it's just not a thing for me. I am, you know, I am thinking like how I do want to try again. Like I've I've been doing some stuff to like really help alleviate a lot of the issues. Like I I haven't had any RSI related issues in maybe four to five months. Okay. Um, and that's even with doing stuff that always would cause issues, like getting new devices. Yeah, you know, like every yeah. time I get a new iPhone or whatever, I'd always end up with some kind of wrist pain because it's just different. It was always it was right. the different that really could be an issue for me. Uh, mm-hmm. But I haven't had any of that, so I don't know. Maybe maybe I could try it, but I haven't. As I say, as I've already said, like there hasn't really been a game um, that has compelled me. Mm. to to need to play in wherever I am, you know, something like Mm. Zelda, you know.
1: Yeah, I want to see what Nintendo does for the holiday season because right now, I mean, there's Pokemon, which is a remake. There's
0: new Animal Crossing stuff, new
1: Animal Crossing, but there's no big title that is launching this holiday season. I don't think
0: there is any. I don't think you're going to get anything. I don't think it's worth waiting for anything because I don't think anything's coming.
1: And it's the same situation on all the consoles. I mean, the only exception arguably is Microsoft because they have both Forza and Halo launching on the Xbox. Mm -hmm. But... You know, I don't think... I mean, Forza, I am going to play for sure. But like we... I remember our conversations last year. Oh, uh, holiday season 2021 is going to be all about Zelda. And nope. <laughs> no, it's not happening anytime soon. Very sad. Very We're sad. lucky if it happens holiday season 2022, I don't think. Don't say that. Why would you, why would you say that? I mean, I'm not trying to be realistic, you know? Okay. Uh, you know. Realistic expectation would be new Zelda... Like the Breath of the Wild too, uh, holiday season twenty twenty two, and honestly, I think Metroid Prime Four it's gonna be a twenty twenty three product at this point. We haven't seen. I see. It's I saw it. No, I saw it. Twitter a, a, a couple of days ago. It's been a th- uh, a thousand days since Nintendo <laughs> annu- <laughs> announced announced uh, Prime Four <laughs> with the logo, and then. All we got was, oh, yeah, development has rebooted and uh, Radio Silence. So has it been a thousand days since they initially
0: said the game was happening? Not since they said, oh, wait, this was a disaster. We need to start again.
1: Actually, you know, you may be right. I think it's been a thousand days since they started up again. Um, right. Re- Metroid Prime 4 rebooted. Let's see. Uh Oh, yeah. That was 2019. In early 2019, development was restarted. It was, uh, wow. Metroid Plane 4 was first showcased at E3 2017. And then two oh years God. later, in early 2019, that said, nope, we are starting this game again. That was 2017? They first showed off the logo at E3 2017. Wow. Reggie was still president. Reggie, what have you done to us? Uh, I know. I miss the guy.
0: But there is more Metroid, though. So we should talk about that. But let's take one more break. And then I want to hear all about your experiences uh, with Metroid Dread. This episode of Remaster is brought to you by The Intrazone. If you're looking for a new podcast to listen to, The IntroZone is a bi-weekly podcast of conversations and interviews hosted by the SharePoint team on how SharePoint, OneDrive, Teams, Viva, and more can work for you. Uh, I love finding new podcasts. I especially love podcasts like this which are like really information-focused because you can go through the back catalog and pick out things that are of interest to you. You'll hear from guest experts behind the scenes and out in the field so you can see how SharePoint and Microsoft 365 fit into your everyday work life and learn more about the flexibility when working with content, workflow search, and more. Every single episode covers a bunch of segments like news, announcements, a focused topic of the week, guest perspectives from product experts inside and outside Microsoft, upcoming events, conferences, and workshops. And the topics are really, really interesting. Previous episodes cover uh, stuff like designing your intranet, cloud administration, and using the Microsoft Graph APIs. Uh, I listened to an episode today focused on Northumbrian Water's migration of 20 million pieces of paper to automatically classify digital documents. Documents and the technology that they used to power that. It was a super interesting look at how you can do things at such an incredible scale using the power of modern computing stuff. There are a lot of tools that you can choose to make something like this work and they talk through a selection that Microsoft provided that all tied together to make the most of this information. And then when you have that data in digital form there's like additional trends and knowledge that you're able to see from it that otherwise would be lost. Go and listen to this right now. Go search for the Intro Zone wherever you get your podcasts. That's INT E R A Z O N E. Or just click the link in the show notes to check it out today. Our thanks to the IntraZone by Microsoft SharePoint for their support of this show and Relay FM. So
1: tell me all about it. Tell me all about okay. it. Okay. Okay, so for context, I finished the game last night. Mm-hmm. And by finished, I mean finished, finished. Uh finished the main story with 100 percent of items collected. Okay. Uh so. Uh, and this is in normal mode, right? You, when you start Metroid Dread, like other Metroid games, you start in normal mode and then you unlock hard mode uh, when, you fir- when you first finish the main story. I do not plan on playing in hard mode because this is a difficult game. Huh? So I'll just say this up front. Metroid Dread is a challenging game. Like, they don't make those anymore these days. I mean, arguably maybe the Dark Souls series has is as challenging as Metroid. This is an old-school game, and it's unforgiving. Um They are, thankfully, they have been pretty generous with save points and, and checkpoints check throughout the game, but this is the kind of game where you're going to have to try a boss over and over until you memorize all the patterns, until you become, you know good until you know what you're doing and you beat the final boss I can tell you that the final boss I don't want to spoil it on this show because maybe there's people still playing the game I had to try over and over I tried like 30 times and then I realized I I, I cannot do this I need to go back and upgrade the character with energy tanks and missiles and then I tried it again and that did the trick but This is the kind of game where it's not easy. It's not an easy game. So the thought of playing in hard mode again, no thank you. Mm. you Doing it once was enough for me. But I will also say that this is the kind of game that rewards people who play in hard mode and people who complete the main story within a certain amount of time. Uh, If you are that kind of player... I respect you. Go look online for the kind of rewards that you get for finishing the the game on hard mode and within a certain time threshold. Uh, It's very speedrunner friendly, this game, which is a smart move on Nintendo's part because we're going to see speedruns of this game on Twitch a lot. Um, But thankfully, there's no secret ending. So there's only one ending to Metroid and Dread and all you get by finishing the game more quickly or with a higher difficulty level, are just extras. So that's nice. Uh, it wasn't always this way before. Now, that being said, I absolutely loved this game. Uh, if, you were, if you ask me now, what's your game of the year? This is my game of the year so far. Okay, uh, It's everything I hoped a 2D Metroid game would be. And I think it actually exceeded my expectations because I went into this game thinking... There's going to be some uh, like deep lore and backstory that I will not understand. And I was also concerned that the stealth sections with the Emmy, you know, there's these robots um, hunting you down that you got to escape. I thought, you know, I'm not a stealth person. Uh, Those kind of sections in other video games, they always make me anxious and stressed out. Mm -hmm. But these are not really stealth sections. They're more acrobatic sections and they are fun and they are the kind of sections that you repeat over and over until you do these wild jumps and last minute escapes and these very cool uh you know transitions between regular samus and morph ball samus they are very cool and very fun and they do not make they haven't made me anxious at all where can i start um the story is great Okay. It picks up right where Metroid Fusion left off 19 years ago. This <laughs> is a direct sequel to Metroid Fusion from wow. the Game Boy Advance. Um, is there voice acting? Thankfully, n- <sighs> I can't spoil the game for you. If I answer that, it would be a major spoiler. All right, then. Okay, Ign- um, ignore
0: that then. There, I I never
1: let's say there isn't. Let's okay. say there isn't. Okay. But there's one, I mean, the Polygon review had this. There's one specific moment in the game. There's a cutscene. And as a longtime Metroid fan myself, I gasped. Like, it's like, oh, no way. So, yeah, okay. there's, a, there's a tweet. There's a bit of a twist there. Okay. Um, that doesn't feel like a spoiler Well, what you just yeah, said. So, um, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Good. Um, there's a recap when you start the game and everything is properly contextualized. Previously which on I Metroid. Appreciate. <laughs> Previously, 20 years ago. <laughs> so just, yeah. Thanks, Nintendo. That's useful. Uh, I also recommend, if possible, we're going to put this in the show notes. There's an excellent story by Maddie Myers at Polygon, and they did an excellent job sort of recapping the lore of the Metroid series. Maddie is the Metroid expert, and... Um, the uh, w- w- I always appreciate the Metroid discussions on the on the podcast that they're on um, triple click, the right? uh, TripleClick podcast. Yep. Yep. Uh, so go check out that story by Matty. Really excellent rundown of here's everything you need to know about Metroid. And I had no idea before I read that article that a Metroid manga exists and the canon status of that manga is one of the highly controversial points in the Metroid community. Anyway. Interesting. The key points... Yeah. The key points you need to know are all recapped in the game, thankfully. Uh Uh-huh. Now, graphically speaking... Beautiful game. It
0: it looks like I was quite surprised how good it looked. I think the cutscenes uh, look a little Nintendo Switchy, but the actual yes. uh, gameplay looks really beautiful, really smooth.
1: Yeah, it's what they call two and a half D, like two point five D, right? Yeah. It's it's two D with three D elements. The cutscenes are Nintendo-y, yes, but also like you don't really pay attention to those when things are happening and like major twists are happening. Also, the Samos is so cool, right? Yeah. And so you don't care what she does and how she looks. The, the she's like she's, she's the coolest Nintendo character. So it looks beautiful. Again, I mentioned on the OLED display, fantastic game, especially for the dark areas. My major complaint about this game is the lack of a soundtrack. There really isn't an orchestrated soundtrack. I can... Like, there are some tunes, some songs from the Metroid Prime series. Like, I can sing to you the the soundtrack for Fendrana Drifts on Metroid Prime right now. And music played such an integral like roll to Metroid Prime on the GameCube and then the Wii. And it's such a shame that this is a very Breath of the wildy, if you will, game where, yeah, there's some music and some accents here and there, but it's more about the atmosphere and the ambience Mm -hmm. of it rather than the soundtrack, which I would like to see more music, but that really is my only complaint about this game. Uh, From a gameplay perspective it's a a much more comfortable version of uh, Samus Returns from the 3DS. And I say that because the developers of this game are the same company, Mercury Steam. They worked on the remake of Metroid 2 for the Nintendo 3DS called Samus Returns. um, And they introduced some mechanics that at the time on the 3DS, a lot of people didn't really like them. Like, for example, they introduced a pairing mechanic for a melee uh, combat move. And on the 3DS, it was kind of janky and awkward to do. Also, the 3DS was a small console. On the Switch, because of the much more comfortable comfortable form factor of the console, all of these different mechanics and moves, they make a lot more sense. They are more fleshed out. They are better integrated with the rest of the game. Mm -hmm. And they are... Progressively given to you in a way that makes a lot more sense than on Samus Return, which was also uh, playing before I got Metroid Dread on the Switch. So it's a more refined and more evolved version of that style of gameplay for a Metroid game. Now, a lot of long time sort of hardcore, this is sort of the 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 final thing that i will say to sum up this game because then we need to talk about spoilers i don't want to talk about spoilers cool. it's still too soon but a lot of hardcore fans are reactive neg- negatively right now to the reviews of metroid dread which have been largely positive uh because they are calling this game too linear it's a you know it's not as massively uh open-ended in terms of exploring the map as, say, uh, Super Metroid on the Super Nintendo. or right.
0: It's still something you can do in a Metroidvania game. You can still have uh, right. some level of, of free exploration within the world, I guess.
1: Right. And in this game, it feels like a lot of the times they are blocking access to previous areas of the map because they want you to push forward they they want you to continue onto the next area rather than go back and say explore a previous area with the new tools that you have mm-hmm. which has always been you know the Metroid Metroidvania genre is predicated upon this sort of gameplay mechanic that you have this massive map and you unlock new weapons and new skills and you can go back and get access to previously inaccessible areas and in dread There is some linearity to the game, but also at the very end, the game opens up completely and you can go back and do whatever you want. And that's how I've been able to finish the story with 100% of the map and items collected. Now, personally, I appreciated this. Like I was thankful that they went with this approach because it feels like this is a game made for a Nintendo Switch that you can pick up and play and you can, you know, make progress. And also I feel like gaming sensibilities have changed in the past decade and definitely changed since Super Metroid came out in 1994 on Super Nintendo. Uh, We are not used to difficult games anymore. We are not used to very difficult games anymore. And Metroid is not a, it's a difficult game, all right? And it feels like Nintendo said, okay, let's try to balance the difficulty of the game with having a a much more approachable sense of progress. Also, you got to be mindful of this. This is the kind of Metroid game that is introducing a lot of new players to the series, right? I mean, the last 2D Metroid game came out 19 years ago. And I feel like Nintendo made the right call here in saying, you know, let's not, like the game is already challenging as it is in, you know, exploring levels and beating bosses and mid-level bosses. Let's not add an additional layer of complexity in making it even more difficult for people to figure out where to go and what Mm -hmm. to do. So maybe that aspect, let's tone it down a little. And I think this is the right call for a bunch of reasons, but the most important one being this is going to be the first Metroid game for a lot of people. And you don't want to scare them off, right? Uh, I appreciated that. Like, yeah. Thank you. L- let me figure out where I'm supposed to go next. And also, like, it's fine because at the end of the game, before you g- you go and challenge the final boss, you can explore. You can do whatever you want. And if you are clever, even before that point, you can still you know. If you're interested in in this aspect, go on YouTube and search for Metroid Dread sequence breaking. Uh those are basically. Different uh, advanced moves you can do to gain access to areas of the game you're not supposed to get access because Nintendo thought so, but you can still kind of break the game and, say, get the super missiles before you're supposed to be getting the super missiles. Good for speedrunning,
0: as you mentioned earlier on.
1: Exactly. Good for speedrunners. So uh, I personally appreciated the rhythm of the game. I loved the story. I love. Uh, I loved sort of uh, in, the, in the final segment um, the decisions that led Samus to the final battle. And uh, I played uh, 17 hours. And I just wanted to conclude this by saying you've probably seen screenshots on Twitter of people, you know, rightfully so, bragging about, oh, I finished Dread in eight hours or nine hours. You don't need to do that. I took my time, I explored Metroid Dread, I got lost a bunch of times. Again, I got lost despite the increased linearity of the game. So it's totally fine. Uh, I played for almost 18 hours to get to 100% and the story finished. It's totally fine. Fine. Enjoy the game, play the game however you want to play the game. Take your time. And also, if you keep dying, uh, try over and over. And there's a very specific and pleasant sense of satisfaction that comes from beating a boss because you know what you're doing with the controller. Do you want to do spoilers now? I can do spoilers. All right, uh, yeah, I want to so, hear it because
0: like, this probably is not going to be something that I play.
1: Okay. So, this concludes the original sort of timeline of Metroid. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Metroid Prime games were sort of like a, a spin off from the main timeline, but this sort of concludes the saga of um, Samus having been infected by, um, before by a Metroid, and then by the X parasite. And now, um, the very final scene so uh, you you land on this new on this planet called ZDR and ZDR uh, there has been found evidence of the of the same x parasite that was sort of the main antagonist of Metroid Fusion from the GBA now in Super Metroid i believe it ended with one of the metroids sacrificing itself for samus because he recognized Samus as its mother essentially i believe that was super metroid if my timeline is correct and then in in metroid fusion the x parasite sacrifices for you uh against the final boss and in this uh, in dread which sort of its game 5 and nintendo said kind of concludes the original sort of a timeline of samus um You get to the end, and you realize that um, the final boss that has sort of been manipulating you, uh, called Raven Bick, is part of the Chozo. So the Chozo are this bird-like alien race uh, that, according to the Metroid lore, raised Samus. Samus is a human, was born a human. Her parents were killed by the space pirates in an invasion of her native planet. And the Chozo adopted Samus as an infant, as a baby, and they raised Samus. And through the course of the game, uh, you realize that something went horribly wrong. Um, I mean, we knew this before. The Chozo were killed, uh, were sort of exterminated. And you realize that there's now an evil faction of Chozo. And the, uh, the leader of this evil Chozo is called Raven Ravenbeak. Ravenbeak uh, is the mastermind behind this whole plan in Metroid Dread. The plan being Samus contains Metroid DNA. And Ravenbeak wants to clone Samus to build an army of Samuses <laughs> powered by Metroid DNA. And the Emmy, the robots that are hunting you down, uh, they kill you by poking this sort of robotic arm into your chest. And that is done because they were continuously extracting Samus' DNA from, you know, from Samus. Mm -hmm. And it is revealed in the very end that Raven is Samus' father, the Chozo father, meaning um, the Chozo, when they uh, raised Samus as a baby, they also infused some of their DNA into Samus. And that, sort of, you got the hint of that halfway through Metroid Dread because, and this is a major spoiler, at one point, Samus speaks Chozo. You can hear Samus's voice speaking Chozo with subtitles. You're not expecting that, but mm. at some point, Samus... Uses her voice and speaks Chozo, and I was like, "No way!" This like that's such a uh, like a like a fan service moment right there, but it totally works in the context of Dread. And so the game ends with you know you realizing that uh, you know this evil Chozo Raven Big has been using you all along, he has been having you travel through the planet ZDR to collect even more of her, of your DNA and you reach this final fight. Raven Big tells you, oh, um, you're such a disappointment as my daughter. I'm your father. You know, this sort of Star Wars-like moment. I <laughs> know. <laughs> okay. and, yeah. And, um, and basically, at the very end, and this is another major spoiler, sa- uh, the Metroid DNA of Samus fully takes over Samus. And you become Metroid Samus with this Metroid sort of organic suit. Mm-hmm. Uh that you basically lose control, like you gain this incredible power uh with this hyper beam that basically destroys everything, and you look like like a like a mix of a Metroid and Samus altogether. It's awesome, it's incredible. And you you don't actually well, you kill Ravenbeak, but before killing Ravenbeak, er, an ex parasite, which is this sort of like gelatinous blob. Um, takes over Raven Beak. Raven Beak becomes this uncontrollable monster. You kill the monster with the hyper beam. You make a run for your for your spaceship. The planet is about to explode. You enter the spaceship, and you are still like fu- in full-on like Samus is now a Metroid mode with this new suit and this incredible power. And right before you uh, fire up the ship. Uh, One of the Chozo, one of the good Chozo that you encounter in the middle of the game called Quiet Robe um, pops up from behind and says, don't, don't fire up the ship because you are now a Metroid. And if you are, you being a Metroid, if you try to start the spaceship, you're going to suck up all the power from the spaceship because you are a Metroid. And, you know, Metroids, they suck the energy out of anything. So if you try to leave, the spaceship is just going to explode. But then, and this is the final, final twist, you realize that Quiet Robe, the good Chozo that was killed in the middle of the game, is actually an ex-parasite. And the the, the thing with the X-Parasite is that it takes on the appearance of the, you know, of other living beings. And at that point you see it's an ex-parasite and you go, oh no, there's one more ex-parasite. But as the very last thing, this ex parasite sacrifices for you. And it enters it enters your body, you know, the, the body of Samus and cures Samus of this Metroid DNA takeover that has occurred. You return to your regular suit, you're not a Metroid anymore. And Samus fires up the starship just in time and leaves ZDR and the planet ZDR explodes. So this Metroid timeline. The series of five official games ends with you realizing a bunch of things. Samus can speak, <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, can speak Chozo. Uh, Ravenbeak is dead. Ravenbeak was one of the Chozo that was considered a father figure for Samus. And the ex-parasite has once again sacrificed for you. But the big open-ended question is, Samus is alive now. And Samus apparently contains so much Metroid DNA that in theory, in the future, she could become potentially a dangerous weapon because she can become a Metroid. And so what happens next? Uh, Will we see a Metroid Prime 4 in which Samus is the antagonist because now the Galactic Federation actually fears Samus and her power? Uh, Will you be able to control this power? Was the X-Parasite sacrificing for you like uh, like a permanent thing or a temporary thing? Like this Metroid DNA that you have, can it be leveraged somehow in the future? It leaves a bunch of questions, but so far, this sort of series of, of five games has concluded with the X-Parasite being, in theory, officially wiped from the universe and new Samus being capable of transforming into a Metroid.
0: I didn't understand any of that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. All you need to know is at the very end, Samus is a badass and there's this sequence of 10 minutes where you're destroying everything. You're like, yes, I'm a Metroid now. Oh, until that's you realize, one of those
0: kind of moments. That's good, though, yes. right? the An all-power And you moment. have this,
1: new, yeah, 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 full power, like this crazy, like, wide beam that destroys everything. And then you realize, oh, crap, now because I'm a Metroid, I can't fly the spaceship. But then the ex-parasite sacrifices for you, and you're like, oh, that's sweet. Uh, and the game ends, and you now ask yourself, oh, no, but Samus is a Metroid. <laughs> Does it mean that Samus is the, you know, the, 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 the evil character now or not? We'll see. Will this make any sense to people that haven't
0: played the other games? Yes, yes, yes. They do it's a decent very, job of explaining what's going on. They do
1: a good job at explaining wow. the relationship between Samus and the Chozo, uh, the relationship between uh, Samus and Raven Beak, and the role of the X parasite um, oh. that was introduced in Metroid Fusion. Now it's back in Dread. But yes, they do like... It's a lot of lore what I just said, right? I realize it's a lot of facts and names and info, but in the context of the game, it's explained very nicely to you.
0: Yes. So you like this,
1: huh? I love it. It's it's it's, it's a beautiful game and the ending is amazing. So, yeah, it's totally worth it. I honestly, my only complaint, I would have liked to see more music. I mean come on so next metroid game just focus on the music uh the gameplay the lore the graphics the the pacing the rhythm the the linearity mixed with uh you know um the the metroidvania design totally worked for me but please more mm-hmm. music that's my only thing